Hi, everyone. This is Joe with Keeping Up With Joe. And today I'm joined by our frequent co-host, Sarah Avila, as well as, well as by Kaya Quincy Holt. Kaya is a, a romantic comedy writer. Um, to date, she has had five books published. Her first novel, Paris Men's Broken Hearts, was released in April 2018. Postal Christmas and Valentine in Venice were published a few months later after being acquired by a publishing company. In January 2020, Kaya's novel, The Marseille Millionaire, was published. A month later in February 2020, the first book in a four-part Pink Shell Shores series was released. Titled Fate at the Winsteria State, in just a few days, Kaya's third book in 2020 and her sixth book overall will be released. A standalone novel titled, novella titled The Bells of Positano. Her books have sold in seven countries. They have been translated into multiple languages and been formatted into audiobooks. Kaya's passion for culture, travel, and psychology intertwined for books that are romantic and full of surprise. Man, how did you get into writing? Is this something that you started? Because I know your first book was published somewhat recently. Is this like a, a somewhat new like uh, thing, that, passion of yours, or have you been working on this a long time? You know, it's funny. I think I've been writing for a really long time, um, but the book portion didn't come in until a little bit later. Um, so I have like a very distinct flashbulb memory of when I was seven years old and getting as a gift this uh, like bright lime green fluffy journal mm. and uh, matching pen. And uh, that was that. I just became um, like I just started writing every day. Um, and so since then, that was a huge part of my life. And um, my family, uh, they're all artists. So they were really into encouraging my twin sister and I to just get as into the arts as possible. Uh, so we did a lot of writing and things like that growing up. Um, and it actually wasn't until I was in graduate school that I started writing my, my first novel. So pretty, yeah. somewhat recently then. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, just a few years ago now. So did you find that you had already kind of developed your voice by that point? Or did you kind of have to like think about, hey, what kind of a vo writing voice do I want? Or did you just write naturally? What did that look like? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, you know, I don't think I put too much thought into it uh, at first. And then later on, I feel like I circled back to it. Um, yeah, I find the first draft for me is always... Uh, uh, something I'm working on and trying to hone um, and then coming back to that. Um, but I think so many writers are inspired by, by um, their favorite authors. Mm, so for, mm -hmm. for me, you know, it's, it's um, trying to find my own voice amidst sort of a clamor of um, other authors who I find uh, have just been really influential for me. Who are some of your favorite authors? Uh, Sophie Kinsella. <laughs> She's sort of the queen of rom-com and chiclet as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Yep, and uh, Jill Mansell's huge for me. Uh, Peter Mayle writes just the most, uh, he wrote just the most amazing books um, uh, about his time in the south of France, and they were so inspiring for me. Um, my husband and I, we got married last summer, and mm -hmm. we, uh, we actually did our honeymoon in the south of France. I sort of fell in love with that region the first time through Peter Mayle's books, and then the second time in person. 
Man, I love France too. I was just there uh, in November. Yeah. Oh, nice. What part were you in? Well, I didn't get to go explore too much because there was a, we were kind of, it was a trip between England and France. So I mostly was just in Paris. Actually, I only, yeah, I I was pretty much in Paris the entire time. But uh, lovely though. Yeah, I loved it. I actually liked Paris better than London. Oh, amazing. What, what did you love about it? Um, I just felt like it was very free feeling there. Um, oh. It was very like a chill vibe. Um, oh, man, there's so much to like about it. I also really liked that <laughs> the way that they that they have preserved the historic region so that yeah. it's all like they've kept that how it is. And uh, it's all kind of conveniently nearby. I don't know. It was so awesome. I just loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Paris was uh, the very first place, actually, that I traveled to abroad. Um, okay. Yeah, so it's a big special place in my heart, too. And that was when you were a bit younger, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I think I was 10 years old, yeah. Mm, I actually read your blog about that. That's how I knew that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> stalker. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not, it's research, okay? It's research, not stalking. <laughs> Is that your dream place to go, Sarah? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Paris. Um, my whole life. <laughs> Just don't go right now. Oh, yeah. I'll huddle in my bunker right now. <laughs> they might not let you in. I don't know. <laughs> Did you uh, recognize any of those author names, Sarah, that Kaya mentioned? I'm afraid not. I have a, a weird question. Did you ever read um, the Kaya books from American Girl? No, but I do know that that American girl exists. Um, but no, I have not read those books. Are they good? Um, let me see. I think I only started one of them. I just have never really heard the name, like uh, the name Kaya, other than from those books. So I thought it was like really funny. Like I don't know if your parents randomly like, oh, what a cute name from this book. <laughs> <laughs> what a, yes, that may have been. Uh, that may have been how they came about it. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> I do love romance. Like I'm a writer myself and I do love a lot of like, I don't, I'm not really sure. I know a lot about like the chiclet stuff though, because I didn't really recognize any of those, those author names you mentioned. So I guess yeah. maybe I'm, maybe I've not learned too much about that stuff. Well, you know, it's, um, yeah, I feel like it, it sort of goes hand in hand with some romance, but it's more of the sweeter genre. And I feel mm. like it sort of goes into its own sort of subsect of its own. It can mm. it's sort of a mashup between um, women's fiction, uh, sweet romance. Uh, like, I don't know, it can just, it just has a lot um, that it can it sort of blend into. So it's a really fun genre. And is that, is that the genre you write in primarily? Uh, yeah, I would say, um, uh, I really liked this uh, this this quote one reviewer did, which was it was um, uh, a mashup of uh, chiclet and romance, and I just mm. thought, yes, that's exactly that's exactly what I'm going for. And it was funny somebody else put it into words, and then and then I just thought, yes, <laughs> that's exactly what I want. <laughs> well, I did notice from reading your book, your first book, that there was sort of like a lighter sort of tone to it. You know, I mean, yeah. even though it was about some serious subject matter, and I liked the tone to it. It was sort of almost like. I don't know. It's almost like you're kind of getting like a, a piece of life in a in a story. You know what I mean? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I try to write a like yeah with a bit of a lighter touch. I think um, you know uh, there's a lot of beauty and heaviness as well. Um, but for me, it's just just a bit more my style. Yeah, that's another thing I really like too. I don't know if I mentioned this, but I liked the way that you described being in Paris because I had just 
been there, I think when I read this about a month ago or so, I had just been there a couple months before that. And it definitely had a very much the same, the feeling you get when reading it is the same feeling you have when you're in Paris, which I, I thought was really cool. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much to me. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think part of one of my favorite aspects of writing is uh, mentally traveling back <laughs> to all of those gorgeous spots and sort of mm. re-immersing myself in the memories. Do you feel like now that you're married um, and just like in general, just since you've been say in like a romantic relationship, do you feel like, I don't know how long you've been writing specifically romance, but do you feel like that has really turned the way that you, you know, shifted it in the you know your tone and just the way that you've written about it that's such a great question um you know it's funny though so i have actually been with my husband now for um gosh like over seven years oh, wow. uh, yeah so but we only got married last year so um when I was writing, um, I was dating him. So, <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so it's always, um, I think, like, he's obviously a strong influence. <laughs> <laughs> of course. That's so cool. Of course. <laughs> so you, you started getting really into working on your, your books and stuff when you were in graduate school. Yeah. Uh, and how, how did you kind of ramp that up from, hey, I, I, I assume it was sort of a hobby at first. Did you, how, how did you make that transition to being like, hey, I'm, I'm writing these stories that I like, hey, I actually want to publish them and get them out there. How did, how did that process work for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I had a really strong vision of, um, I'm, I'm huge into visualization and um, uh, I had a vision of, of what I wanted my life to look like and the direction that I wanted to go in. And I think once you really strongly believe that something is possible, you'll do what it takes to make it happen. Mm. Um, so it was not easy. Um, you know, I was pretty swamped at the time with uh, research and, um, you know, uh, finishing up everything with graduate school and uh, at the same time trying to write my first novel. And it brought a lot of joy to my life. And, I knew the feeling that I got from writing would keep me going through, you know, the, the lack of sleep sometimes or the feeling of, you know, having so much on my plate. I just got so much joy from it and a really clear vision of what I wanted. So it wasn't always an easy path to get that book uh, and the subsequent books published that year. But, but I, I really think that I, I knew what I wanted. And uh, I worked really hard <laughs> mm. to get that. Yeah. It's really cool because I, I feel like a lot of people envision writing the book and then they, they write it and that's a lot of work, right? I mean, it's, that's where the magic happens, I assume. And then, but then you don't even realize how much more work is involved in just getting it published, marketing it, all that stuff, right? Oh my goodness, yes. I felt like I was doing a second graduate degree when I started mm. to learn about that entire world. It just, uh, yeah, it's, it's just that, an entirely different world that I felt like I had to learn. And uh, I just took baby steps every day, just trying to just inch one step closer. And how, how involved in marketing your books are you? Yeah, uh, really, really involved. I mean, um, I have outsourced some. Uh, some of my marketing in the past. For the most part, I do a lot of it myself because um, I really love it. Mm. Uh, I really, you know, I love using things like Canva. And, mm, yeah, that's um, a good one. 
Yes, so good. Um, I use that in marketing a lot for, for the work I do. Yes, yeah. Well, I think uh, I've seen on your Instagram, all of the posts look great. So <laughs> Yeah, I use, I've, I've used Mark, uh, Canva for those. <laughs> oh, awesome, yes. Small secret. <laughs> <laughs> Canva is amazing, yep. <laughs> um, so, you know, I love doing things with that. You know, I love creating pins on Pinterest, uh, but I found a lot of the success that I've had has been reaching out to bloggers and mm. um, people like that asking, hey, you know, would your readers, you know, enjoy a giveaway or, you know, what, what can I, what can I provide for them? Have you had any like local bookstores uh, display your work or anything like that? No, no local bookstores, um, but maybe that's something that, that uh, the future will hold. Because <laughs> I actually recently published a book through Amazon and then I, I haven't, so I'm super busy doing a million different things, so I haven't really yeah. followed up on that too much. But I called a local bookstore um, and they were like, I guess they, I guess they have like a process for this in place where they actually will like feature. I don't know. I haven't done it yet. And I, I should. So I'm glad that I, I guess maybe after the quarantine, probably not, not probably not until this is over. The quarantine's over. Yeah. I don't even think they're open right now. Unless if that counts as a essential business, I'm not sure. But is it, is the quarantine, are you, are you guys quarantined up there in Toronto? Yeah, yeah. I think today it went full, um, full just essential services are open. Wow. Yeah. Yes. How are you surviving that? Oh, well, you know, I've got a, how old is he now? A five-month-old puppy to keep mm. me very entertained. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, we're, doing, we're doing our best. How about you guys in San Francisco? It's been interesting. I, <laughs> I've, like, also been hearing that, you know, it could potentially be where we can't leave our house at all. And so we've just been trying Wait, to, like. Who have you heard that from? Um, I was just talking to my husband and I think from what I heard, that's what China has done. I could be wrong. So don't, you know, don't take my word for it. But we've noticed that there's kind of um, a stable point of where they haven't really grown. Mm. And so you're looking into it and that's they've been keeping their people actually inside their houses. Mm. And so we're like, okay, how can we plan for this? Mm. Um, so for now, we're enjoying our walks outside. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't think it's going to get that bad, personally. I think it's going to hopefully stay where it's at. So right, where it's at right now, uh, it's based in, in California, because California is basically a country, you know? I mean, it's we got yeah. like 40. I think we have, how many people live in Canada? I don't know. I think I remember reading, though, that, let's see. It's a similar amount as California, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, I think I remember reading that at some point. Yeah, so it's like we have this whole country in this one state. And so basically, like, the government here decides, hey, we're going to do a quarantine thing, and then it kind of trickles down to the counties, and the counties get to decide what that's going to look like. But for the most part, being someone like me who works remotely, honestly, I hardly noticed the difference. Because, <laughs> like, I already spend my week at home working remotely, and then I go out for walks and stuff. The only main difference I've noticed is that the, just like some, you know, a lot of the stores are closed, but you can still do takeout and stuff. So it's not, I don't really think it's all that bad, really. I think it's kind of worth it for now, but I definitely hope it doesn't get to the point where people can't leave their houses. That would not be fun. Oh, no, it's, uh, yeah, just important, I guess, to enjoy the, uh, yeah, those walks while we can. If, uh, <laughs> yeah, just with such an uncertain future right now. The part that like freaked me out the most was um, like I wanted to go to Yosemite and that's all closed up and I wanted to, mm. you know, we were trying to think if we could go out in nature and a lot of those places are actually closed, um, like regular parks are open, but 
you know, the, the big kind of travel places, there's just like nothing open because they want their employees to stay safe. So mm -hmm. that's been hard. <laughs> but I would say to anybody listening to this to not get too freaked out, I think it's going to be okay. I think it's just something we're doing logistically right now to kind of, you know, slow down the curve, but it's nothing to get scared about or to rush out and buy a bunch of toilet paper over. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So Kaya, how, how often do you find yourself uh, having the time to work on your writing? Uh, so I write pretty much every day. Yeah, I, I have those goals, goals for myself and obviously, you know, a few days here and there where you don't write anything. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, I, try to, I try to write most days. Um, this year in particular, I'm trying to get uh, as many books out as possible. And uh, mm. yeah. What is your like kind of overall marketing strategy for your books? Because I, I know that with um, Kindle, Kindle has made the sort of the shorter fiction more accessible and kind of more people, people like to buy those kinds of books, I, I assume. Uh, oh, so totally. do you, so is that kind of in your strategy? Are you thinking, oh, I'm going to produce a larger volume of shorter work? Is that kind of what your, what your strategy is or what do you, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a really good observation. Those, um, yeah, shorter novellas have really become popular, mm. um, in the last while. And, um, yeah, I've done a lot of novellas in the past. So uh, I think I have um, four that are published now and then one that's actually going to be out on Friday. Um, and then The Marseille Millionaire is 65,000 words, um, give or take. Uh, so that one is a, a novel length. Oh, wow. Um, nice. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah, it is. So I feel like I'm I'm doing a bit of both, um, just depending on the story and where it takes me. Where do you find your inspiration? Like, does anything, do you have a process? Because I know that like, sometimes I'll put on specific movies that mm. I know it takes me to an imaginative place. Mm. Um, so do you have any sort of, you know, good luck charm process to get you in the mood? Oh, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's hard. I find that whenever I travel, I come back with a million ideas. Mm. Some of them are really, you know, they stick in my mind and feel very uh, essential, you know, that I just have to have to get onto the onto the page. Marseille was actually the first stop on my honeymoon. And um, I told my husband that I had to write a book about this place. And, you know, we, we traveled through the south of France and I fell in love with a, a ton of little towns but as soon as we got home I started on that book mm. um and it was so much fun <laughs> why do you, why do you it. think why do you think traveling uh what do you think it is about traveling that sort of gets those creative juices going for you so I have a couple I've thought about this in the past uh you know I think when you travel you have a chance to be really present mm. and um you are so attentive to small details that maybe in day-to-day -day life um maybe you are you know uh really aware of those things but I think for a lot of us things that are really familiar you know it's it's easy to not pay as close attention to or we're not romanticizing it quite mm. as much but you know when you're going away somewhere and you have the chance to really pay attention to those details like um, the cups that a 
that a cafe uses to serve mm. coffee in and mm. what's different about it. And just taking delight, you know, in those details. Mm. I think that's just one of my favorite parts of travel, that and meeting uh, new people. Just love that and soaking up different cultures. I just find the, the whole process is really energizing for me. Yeah, I can, I can kind of relate to that because it, it's sort of like you go through your day-to-day life and things become kind of by, by like a necessity, they kind of become mon- not like mundane, but regular. And there's some yeah. kind of comfort and peace in that. And you, you kind of need that in order to focus on your day-to-day tasks. You can't have things be novel all the time. But then yeah. when, you, when you're traveling, like you say, you really are, you're, you're experiencing like a heightened form of living that's almost can be a little jarring, especially if you're going to a place with a different kind of culture. And like, yeah, I think it, I can kind of agree. It definitely makes you sort of notice those smaller things more. And I know when I went to, because actually this was the first time when I went to Paris in England uh, in back in, I think, November, this was the first time I had actually been to Europe. And although a lot of my friends, even my wife have, have been, like my wife lived in Europe for a little while. So it's not like people around me don't go to Europe. I just haven't been so busy. I haven't gotten around to it. But something about that, I feel like that's kind of almost entirely changed my perspective on a lot of things just from having experienced that. Oh, that's awesome. Is there anything that stands out to you? I don't know. I, I think it was just sort of, maybe it's, for. I'd say the thing that I would say the, the, the main takeaway is just a kind of an increase in confidence almost because uh-huh. you, you know, you go through life here um, in North America and you, you kind of learn how things work here really well and you get really good at it. But then there's always this kind of feeling like maybe you don't, you know, you kind of haven't tested yourself outside of what you're familiar with, you know? And so there's something about going there to these new places where, you know, you can still survive and not just, not just like, you know, obviously you can survive, but you can kind of still get by and experience new things and meet new people. And it sort of seems to kind of stretch who you are as a person. Yes, totally. Yeah. When you're trying to, um, you know, find a train station in a country yeah. with a different language yeah. and, uh, you know, everything uh, has been delayed an hour and you're trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Those grow you. Yeah, I, I had this like, so I, I lived in Canada for a little while, actually. Um, oh, no way. Yeah, I lived in Vancouver. Oh, what a gorgeous part of the country. Yeah, so I lived there for a couple of years. And I uh, I always kind of, I like, I've traveled a bit around the North American stuff, but I always kind of am a little hesitant when going through these foreign countries. There's just a lot of new stuff. But yeah, like you say, I, it definitely does kind of help you grow a bit as a person. But do you um, do you speak any French? Yeah, so my whole mom's side is actually uh, from Quebec, so the mm. French-speaking part of Canada. Um, so my my twin sister and I, we learned French at a really young age, so that we could uh, chat with my Oma, who's in who's in Quebec, and mm. yeah. So and then we also did French immersion. So right up until grade eight, all of our schooling was in French. Mm. Wow, that's a great yeah. thing. That's one of my friends uh, from Calgary. He uh, did the same thing and he speaks, he, but he told me though, something interesting, uh, which is that the French he learned was so based in Quebec, like the Quebec kind of French, that he said that it's not really that similar to the, to the, the French they speak in France. I don't know, has that been your experience or... Oh, that's, uh, that's interesting. You know, I've actually, uh, I've heard that from some people, definitely. Um, mm. I found, uh, for me, mm, I think in France, maybe, you know, it was just so exciting <laughs> being there <laughs> uh, that no matter what, I was going <laughs> to get through those conversations. Mm. But I don't think I was paying too close attention. <laughs> mm. But you were able to just talk to people here and there in French. 
Yeah, yeah. I uh, I love, love, love speaking in French. So that's something. And my, um, my sister is actually a French teacher. So she's like very, very good at it. Mm. I practice with her as much as possible. <laughs> I've always wanted to learn French. I did ballet and I'm actually Mexican. And so my family was always mad at me like, why don't you want to learn Spanish? <laughs> like, no, French is so much cooler. <laughs> Oh, but Spanish is such a gorgeous language, too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I find, you know, I probably should have learned it more, but I think, you know, ballet has so many, uh, or just like, it is the language of French, you know, the, uh-huh. all every single step is um, something in French, so... I don't know. I was just like, oh, but I dance and my whole body <laughs> loves French. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I felt like such a baller in France because I could like say one thing or two things in French, but like one thing I was I said, I, I don't, I'm not happy saying this right anymore because I learned it temporarily, but I think uh, the way you ask for the bill is l'édition, right? That's what you say? Yeah, 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 exactly. So I felt like such a pro because I knew how to say <laughs> that. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I think that puts you ahead of a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I found the, the French manners to be so polite and um, the people to be very friendly and very helpful. I just really loved it there. Yeah, I found that as well. I found people in um, in France are, are uh, just so um, warm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I've just had such wonderful experiences there, which is probably why uh, I keep wanting to go back. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally live in Paris for a month easy and just enjoyed like a month living there. I'd probably want to come back at some point, but yeah. Oh, maybe it's in your future. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's another thing too is that because I, I know there's a, I, having lived in Canada, I know there's a bit of difference between Americans and Canadians, um, probably more than most people realize. However, what I definitely didn't realize before going to Europe is how much just being sort of a new worlder, if you want to use that expression, or yeah. someone from this side of the, whatever, of the, the Atlantic, of the pond, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how much we have in common because of how our countries were formed and this kind of, this sort of this, the kind, I don't know, like there's just so much we have in common with each other that's different than they have, which I found really interesting. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's tough to put into words, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, just a little different, yeah. But I think that uh, one of my favorite places in the States is actually um, New Orleans. Mm. Whoa. I've never been there. What did you like about that? Because I hear it's quite a rowdy place. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, my aunt lives there, so it's, uh, my experience is a little less rowdy. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think uh, I keep falling in love with and wanting to write about places where I just love the people, just the uh, warmest people in the world. Yeah, I think the just amazing food. <laughs> Two things mm-hmm. that uh, I have in common, it seems like, uh, for falling in love with a place, really warm people and amazing food. <laughs> mm. There's a lot of French um what do you call it? Influences there, right? Because of yes, in just Louisiana or New York. Wait, is that in Louisiana? Okay, I'm just messing things up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're 
totally right. Okay, okay, okay. I geography is not my not my jam in life. Well, Louisiana I, was Louisiana was owned by France, I believe. Yeah, I, that's why I they call that. it the Louisiana Purchase, right? Oh, because we bought oh. it from Napoleon. Oh, don't even blow my mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we bought it from Napoleon. That's incredible. I okay. Thank you for my history lesson for today. <laughs> Do they speak French in Louisiana still, though? Like in because I know that my pastor, um, one of them, is actually from uh, like New Orleans, and he has like a French last name. So that was like the only reason I kind of know about the influences, which he definitely does not speak French. <laughs> oh yeah. Do they have like? I don't know. Does anyone still speak French there or is it just like, you know, people settled there? Does anyone know? It's okay. You don't have to know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I only heard um, like one or two people speaking French while um, I was there last October, but I don't know if they were tourists or not. <laughs> I think they speak a, like, I, as far as I know, I think they do speak a form of French. I think, I believe it's called Cajun Oh, is what they speak. And it's like a certain- food. <laughs> yeah, well, Cajun food comes from that area, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I've never yeah. been to Louisiana. That's one of the few places in, in America I've not been to yet. But my, my wife really wants to go and I keep saying no, just because I don't want to. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. sure once I got there, it'd be fun. But I'm just kind yeah. of like, there's so many places to travel. I always just kind of instinctively say no. <laughs> <laughs> so where are your guys' favorites? Sarah, what's your favorite place to go? Um, I love, oh gosh, I have a few, but... Mostly in regards to at least California, Yosemite is definitely one of my favorite places to go um, because I just love being in nature. And then like the Monterey area in California, the, like along the ocean, the coast, I think it's one of the most gorgeous, you know, beaches and coastlines that I've ever seen in my life. And other than that, I like D.C., because there's a ton of grass and I have a very strange fascination with grass and like long, like meadow-esque type uh, series. So, yeah. What about you, Joe? I like, um, I don't know. I like a lot of places. <laughs> but I like, uh, I like a lot of different places for different reasons, though. But I like D.C. It's funny that you bring up D.C. Because I've only been there once. But I went there to see, Kaya, are you familiar with Kazuo Ishiguro, the author of Never Let Me Go and uh, Remains of the Day? have not read their, their mm. work. Oh, you should definitely check that out because he's, uh, he is a, he's actually a Nobel Prize winner uh, for literature, I think in 2017. And he came over from England because he's a, he's a British guy. He's a, a Japanese British guy. That's why he has a, you know, Ishiguro is a Japanese name. But he came over and did like a book tour for, uh, I think it was Barry Giants or something like that. And so I went to Washington DC for that. And that was pretty cool. It was definitely a, different kind of city than, you know, it doesn't look anything like a West Coast city. No, I haven't been anywhere near that region. I think it would be really fun to see. It's just so open, like the Virginia and I guess, I think Pennsylvania and DC, Washington, DC are just so like kind of connected and you can, I don't know, it's just like, there's just, it's so open, so much more, uh, you know, there's so much more space and room and, mm. as opposed to like California and you know, obviously the Bay Area, they don't have that luxury. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are lucky. You live in a place where so many people uh, flock to to try yeah. to see. 
Very yeah, we, we have to remind ourselves that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I love California. I just feel like all the youngsters are like, oh, I'm done with this place, and they're leaving to Texas. Oh, like, yeah. I feel like everyone's moving to Texas right now. Oh, yeah, there's like, a huge flight to leave San Francisco for sure. <laughs> wow. I, see, in Canada, you don't get that news, so I'm shocked to hear that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because it's it's such a... It is like a, it's definitely a place that so many people dream of going to. And so it's a, it kind of sucks a little bit to be a local because uh, Sarah and I both grew up and lived, grew, lived, were born here pretty much. Well, actually, I don't, I think Sarah, you were born here, right? I was, yes. <laughs> so you were born in the area. It kind of is too bad because you sort of some of the, like the excitement over it, you sort of lose. <laughs> so like a lot of the people I know now, like they're, they're recent transplants here from all kinds of different places. And they just are like, oh yeah, we're in the Bay Area. We're at the heart of innovation, blah, blah, blah. And you're kind of like, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, my, <laughs> my father lived here and worked here. His father lived here and worked here. It's like <laughs> not super exciting. It's just home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just home. It's a whole different kind of perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I was uh, born and raised in Toronto. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, it's it's funny seeing sometimes uh, my husband and my reaction to things because he's uh, he grew up. Uh, north of Toronto in a more rural community. Mm. And uh, he just completely fell in love with Toronto uh, when he got here. And for me, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, Toronto is amazing. But, you know, uh, it's just funny when you see somebody fall in love with a city uh, Mm -hmm. in front of you. It it allows for you to fall in love with it all over again, too, Mm. which is really nice. Uh, Almost like rediscovering where you grow up. How romantic. <laughs> you can see why I got into the into the romance writing field. <laughs> That's great. So Kai, can you tell us a bit about your upcoming book? Yeah. Um, so it's called The Bells of Positano. And um, Positano is uh, just, uh, in my opinion, one of the most stunning regions or places in the world. It's this uh, uh, village uh, in the south of Italy, uh, along the Amalfi coast. And, uh, we were there, uh, two or three years ago and I, I hadn't really started writing yet. Um, I had ideas, uh, sort of in my head that, oh, this would be a wonderful place to write about. Or, um, you know, I just had some, had sort of started writing, but nothing, nothing really solid had come about yet. Um, so I remember thinking this is somewhere like I put it in the back of my mind is, um, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do something with this one day. (laughs) Um, but I just fell in love with it. Um, so it's a really, uh, sweet story about, um, the maid of honor and the best man who are at a wedding in Positano and they don't get along very well at first, but uh, just through a series of events, have to pretend to be together uh, to make things a little bit easier for themselves. And uh, I'll leave that there. So it's um, it's definitely a lighthearted romantic comedy, sort of in the similar style that I've been writing in. And where can people find it? Amazon. So this one uh, is going to be available exclusively on Amazon for the first while. Um, So that means that if you have uh, Kindle Unlimited, um, anything like that, that it will be available. Awesome. And uh, is it it out yet or is it going to be coming out soon? It's coming out on uh, the 28th. So this Friday. Yeah. Very soon. Awesome. Is there there a pre-order option? 
Yes, there is a pre-order option. Good, uh, good reminder. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will be pre-ordering it and I'll be reading it as soon as it comes out. Oh, that's awesome. I'm excited to hear what you think. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, so two more questions. Sarah, do you have any other questions? Um, no, I think I'm pretty good. I'm excited to hear yours. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I have two, two more questions. First of all, where is the area that you, that you find or that you feel people who are pursuing writing, um, and doing what you're doing, uh, where is the area that people fail most often? Fill or fail? Uh, fail. Like where do they not succeed? Oh. You know what? I feel like um, uh, continuing to try. Mm. So I, there is just this amazing, um, uh, I can't remember, I think it was a TED Talk that I was listening to at some point, and they said that the common theme of everybody who was up there was just that they had failed a lot, mm. and they never, um, not that they didn't let it get to them, but they didn't they didn't let it stop them from doing mm. what they want to do. And uh, writing is such a wonderful, exciting, and gratifying field to be in. But, you know, it's also an area where you develop a thick skin pretty quick. Mm. And, mm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of no's. And that's great because it, it keeps, um, keeps people working hard. And you just have to keep going. Um, mm. I think learning to to take criticism, you know, that's that's a big one. Mm -hmm. um, and to just continue on pursuing what it is you want to do. So, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, I've certainly gotten my fair share of rejections. And um, it's it's it makes it that much sweeter then, you know, when, when you start to see sales coming in mm. and you start to see some good reviews out there. I think, I think I've seen that Ted talk that you're mentioning. I think, is that the one on grit? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I think what it was is they sort of did a study or something to kind of figure out if it was higher grades or higher IQ that led to success. And actually what turned out being the main indicator of success was that someone had what she called grit, which is basically what you described as, basically not being put off by failure, but being willing to stick with something over a long period of time. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think, uh, you know, as writers, we're sensitive people typically. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> um, so it means that when, you know, you, you hear some words on the page or you read them that you don't love, you know, it can sting a little bit, but mm. it gets so much easier. And I feel like my response to criticism at this point is really different. Mm. Um, when you start taking things as more of, for me, this was a real big uh, learning curve was when I started to take those as opportunities to grow and lessons and what can I learn from this and how can I get better? Uh, that really changed things for me and it helped to make the entire process a lot more fun, which in turn uh, made me more productive. Mm. Um, so, you know, it, it sort of feeds into everything, which was, which was great. <laughs> awesome. And so then one last question, what is the, what's the one thing that people misunderstand about you or get wrong about you the most? Hmm. You know, the pronunciation of my name, that's a huge <laughs> one. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty stoked to, you know, you got that right on the first bat. Yeah. You know, I think the romance genre overall, you know, can sometimes get a bit of a bad rap as being, mm. you know, like fluffy or not, not handling real issues. And, you know, I think uh, my favorite thing about the romance genre overall is that it can tackle such large yeah, I guess such large uh, problems, but with with a really light touch. So it can maybe 
allow people to question things that like they just wouldn't have before without reading that book, but it does so in a way that's, that's easygoing. Mm. Um, so I think that's really, that's, that's something that I think people get wrong about romance overall as a genre that it, it really does have the capacity to take on pretty much every human emotion that we experience. You know, it's not all just uh, fluff, you know, it, it can, it can really dig deep into sort of like, you know, the meat <laughs> of life, but it, it can usually do so in a way that might look a little bit different than, than a heavier book. Mm. That's awesome. I totally agree. So kind of thank you so much for joining us. It's been a ton of fun chatting with you about one of my favorite topics, which is writing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Where can our listeners find you online? Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty active on Instagram. So you can find me there. Um, so it's Kaya Quincy Holt. Um, so K-A-Y-A-Q-U-I-N-S-E-Y-H-O-L-T. Um, you can find me on Twitter, same name. And uh, yeah, you can head on to my website, kayaquincy.com. Uh, and I love posting on my blog there. So if you like reading about writing, uh, there's a lot of articles. 